this young man, uh, you know, he's he's been kind enough to to kind of give us some of his time to literally talk about his journey and 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 also as well the journey of Saha Locks, the founder of Saha. How you doing, sir? Yes, Therese. Um, thank you for the warm welcome, man. I appreciate it. Lovely catching up with you. Um, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, it's nice to, like I said, catch up and, yeah, man, have a good chat and see how things are and give you a bit of an insight of who I am a bit more in detail. But, um, yeah, man, appreciate the warm welcome, bro. How was kind of football viewed in your household? And um, and if you've got any sibling, siblings, where are you in that pecking order? Okay, so I've got an older sister. Um, so I have to admit, we don't really get along and we haven't. And I'm 33, she's 35 and we've never really got along. And that just kind of, I wouldn't say separate us, but she's quite quiet and reserved. She does her own thing. Whereas I've always been pushing myself to the next level and trying to be better as, as a person. But at the same time, you know, we just wasn't connected as your normal siblings. Um, and and yeah, man, like she's she's doing her thing. I don't really speak to her that much, um, but I know she's good. I do check in, obviously, see how she is. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of where where I'm at as a family. And obviously, in terms of like where I'm from, I'm from Mauritius, and I was born there. And um, it was I was actually meant to live in Mauritius, to be honest, like mm. permanently. There there was no like moving to the UK and then. You know, like my mum one stage said, look, we need to move to the UK um, and my dad. So they managed to get us over here, um, you know, when I was at the age of like three. Um, and, you know, English was a new language to my mum. My dad was all right. His English was, was, was decent. You know, he was like normal taxi driver. Mum was a cleaner at a hospital. And um, literally a year in and I was naive two so i was born in 89 so i was three mm. and my sister is three years old after so she's six my dad passed away and that was very soon after we'd moved to the uk and and, and bear in mind like my my mum didn't really speak english at all um now she's got to look after me and my sister by herself in a country where she don't even speak the language um so growing up was tough it weren't easy because you know, we had to, we were fortunate. I think we were blessed, if I'm honest with you, because we managed to have good neighbours around us and they were the ones that supported us, if I'm honest with you. So because my mum couldn't really speak English, she needed the help of the basic stuff. And I'm talking going shopping or putting us into school or even paying our bills, um, you know, just things along these lines where, um, if we didn't have that help, I don't know where we'd be today, you know. Mm. Um, and as you're growing up as a child and you're seeing this and, and you know, you, you're starting to connect with, you know, your neighbours and stuff, you know, they, they become your family. Um, they literally were our family. And, and, you know, we had to make sure that, you know, we had to kind of put our full trust into them at the same time mm. because, you know, they're the ones that are going to try and get us through life. Um, and like I said, we were blessed with neighbours growing up. Um, for me, you know, I, I was I was fortunate enough to get into school. I mean, primary school. Um, and yeah, I think that's when I started playing football and enjoying it. And I used to go to the local park. Um, 
and and you know like just yeah i think sport was a good healing process yeah yeah i think sport was a very very good healing process through everything we had been through from you know like moving to england and my dad passing away and so forth um and yeah like i said football was was a sport played on playgrounds etc so playing football and just enjoying it um and it kind of then overtook education a bit because I started really enjoying football where I'd come home and I'd ask my mum, like, oh, can I go to the park and play football and not worry about doing my homework? Um, and then, yeah, that's how I just started playing football a lot as a young child. Um, and then again, like, I'd want to, like, play for a team. Um, and funny enough, I went to school one day and I was like, one of my friends, he was like, oh, do you want to come and play for our team? And I was like, I'd love to but I can't really get there. Like, you know, we have no mode of transport. My mom doesn't really know how to use a bus. Um, and then he was like, oh, let me speak to my mom and see if um, like we can pick you up and take you to football. Um, and even at that time, it's interesting because when you're in an Asian household, like they don't believe in football. You know, mm. Asians don't believe in your children or, or your, your, your son being a footballer. They believe in education, education, to become a doctor, a lawyer, a solicitor, you name it, but nothing to do with football. Um, so it, for me, it's like, I want to go and play for a football team, but my mum's probably thinking, why is he going football? But again, because we're just trying to get through life, she's just going with the flow, you know, because she's just thinking, all right, if he wants to do football and he's found a friend, we trust him and trust her, him and his mum and let's, take him to football and, he, and I think at that time as well because my mum felt you know like she just wants the best for us regardless you know life is tough as it is um if he wants to go football let him go um so she allowed me to you know go to football with with a friend and join us a little league team and then as as we obviously started getting older we were able to start using the bus uh, and understand how the bus works and the train and, and so forth um, so then my mum would come with me, you know, and she'd have faith in me as a 12 or 13 year old to, to, to go to games or little league or Sunday league together. Um, and yeah, like that, that's kind of how the football journey kicked off really. Um, and then the passion just grew, grew, wanted to play like at a better level as I was getting to the 14, 15s, whether it was like under 18, semi-pro, like your car shorts, two and a mitchums. Um, and then, yeah, man, I think like, Obviously, as I get to like 14, 15, I become a lot wiser, older, maturer. And effectively, I'm like the man of the house. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think throughout that, like, should I say, suffering, healing process, that's my where my mentality grew to like, right, you obviously have been through this, but now you can stand on your own two feet and create your own future. Whether that's football, work, doctor solicitor you know um and that's where like one of the things for me was at, at the age of 14 15 um like I, I you have like flashbacks so when i was like eight or nine or seven we'd have to go shopping right like food shopping and we had a neighbor who was very very kind and to this day like i seen them as parents because of the way they looked after us um if they weren't available, we would have to go shopping by ourselves. And in the winter months, um, you know, it was cold. It was raining. It was me and my mum and sister. Um, and 
literally we'd be walking through blizzards to like Sainsbury's and back to do shopping. And it was tough. Like it wasn't easy doing that as a young child. Um, you don't know if you're going to be safe, you know, on your trip. You don't know um, like what time you're going to be back because you got school the next day. Um, you know, so for me and my sister, it was a big challenge, but it taught us so much at the same time. It taught mm. us so much. So, so going back to that story, because of how difficult that was, it drove me insane to want to get a driving license. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. there, after going through that, I thought, do you know what? As soon as I hit 17, I'm going to do everything it takes to get a job and make sure I can fund like theory and get a car because I want to be able to take my mum and my sister shopping. I don't want to be still scrambling, walking to Sainsbury's and back, you know. And yeah, bro, as soon as I turned 17, just before that, I'd started a job at Phones For You. So I was saving a bit of money, waiting for the time I'm 17 to do my theory and my lessons. And I did. I did. I literally didn't really spend a penny and just saved up. And um, yeah, bro, literally just, I think I'd done my, I did, like I failed the first time and I passed the second time. So I must have, I think I smashed it out from when I turned 17 in like two months. Mm. You know, like I mean, lessons, theory yeah. and practical. I was so motivated to doing that, you know. And then obviously when I did finally pass and get myself my first car, um, you know, the, the world was my oyster then. I could drive the football. I could take my family here. You know, I could go and visit family and stuff and, and know that we're safe and we don't have to worry about when the next bus is going to come or what time are we actually going to get home. Um, and that's when, you know, then I thought, right, well, I need to get myself into college, you know? Um, so I had to push myself into college, um, and I did a sports science diploma, um, again, just because of the sports, the football that I was enjoying, I thought, let me do something that I enjoy. And I did sports science, college, A-levels, um, and that went really well, really enjoyed college, made a lot of really good friends, um, some to who I still speak to, to this day, to be fair, um. And a part of Saha, you know. Um, and then after that, yeah, uni. Uni after that. Um, started university. And then that was an interesting time because at that time I was at roadblocks, man. I didn't really know what to do like in terms of career. But at the same time, I think going through all of this, like college, uni, for me, the most important thing was whatever I do, I just want to make sure my mum's happy. Mm because she has done everything it took to get me where I am now. So now it's time for me to give back to her, you know? So I want her to be proud on what I've done and I want her to be happy with whatever I achieve. So if I'm honest with you, after college, I didn't want to go to uni, but I wanted to just get a full-time job and just work, man, and just earn. But I knew that that wouldn't make my mom happy. What would have made her happy is me going to uni, getting a degree, regardless of what degree it was, um, you know. So when I did actually start university, I just made sure I did something I was passionate about and I'd know I'd complete, which was sports science, because I did that at college. Um, and then, yeah, I, I started university. And um, at that time, I was playing for the university football team. Um, and, you know, and like I said, at that sort of time, I'm driving. I've got my own independence a bit, which was good. Um, and then, yeah, man, I was at roadblocks and 
And you know what? It's mad. I want like I always said to myself at that sort of time in my life, I was like, I want to be a physiotherapist. Um, yeah. I don't know why. I think at that time, I thought that was the closest thing to football because I knew I couldn't make it. You know, like you know, I played at a decent level at like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Um, but after that, like for me, it was like you know, university, and then just get yourself a job because you know that's what your mum wants. And I think because of everything growing up, bro, I just knew that was the right thing. You know, I wasn't going to try and do a football career in like something which I didn't believe I could. I didn't believe I could make it either. I'm honest with you. Even though it's every child's dream, I didn't believe I could make it. Um, Why is that? Though, you know, I think of obviously you've got the whole Asian thing. The whole um, you know Asians can't play football. They should be playing cricket, um, or you know Asians aren't good enough to be in the Premier League. And then obviously growing up watching football, you, you're not seeing any Asians on TV. Um, so you know straight away you've got not the best of hopes. Um, and funny enough, you know what, when I was a child, and this was like when my mum decided to take me to a trial to some random Saturday team, I think I was like 11, 12. And I went to the trial and I was lost. I didn't know where I was going. And my mum was like, where are you going? Like, where are you taking us? Just in a, a park in Ballum. And we saw some guys. And the first thing they said to us was, Are you here for the cricket? Mm. And I was like, no, 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 we're here for a football trial, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, like I found my way and stuff, but those experiences kind of made me realize, like, you know, football probably won't work for you, maybe for your kids or the next generations of Asians, maybe. But where I was and what I experienced, I, I didn't have the belief, not so much in my ability, but what I experienced, I just thought the chances are very, very slim. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay okay i've got a bro i have a i have got a lot to okay so it's a lot to take in in it yes bro i I wasn't expecting that um so moving from mauritius to england at three and then go and then go to school or go to primary school i what was your first, I mean, can you remember like the first couple of days at primary school again, you know, with the teachers and the, you know, and the pupils and not speaking English? I mean, what was your initial feeling? It was hard because at home, like we, we, we wouldn't speak English. We'd speak Creole, which is the, the language, like spoken French. That's like the Mauritian um, language. Now, I remember like when my mum was telling me, you know, you're going to be in school, um, and at that time, she was like, all right, I'm going to get one of the neighbours to take you to school. And, you know, one of the neighbours is going to take you to school and pick you up and stuff. So I always remember the first day because I remember we were getting, um, we were getting picked up um, from a neighbour at that time as a child you're not really familiar with, you know, and they're taking you to school and so forth. But again, like just going back to what I said is we always go with the flow. And we had mm. to trust in people and we were blessed that, you know, that it was the right people around us. Um, you know, so w- when we were going to school, you know, we just kind of just got on with it. And then when they'd pick us up and drop us home, just get on with it. Because my mom was like an older mom. So she wasn't as fit. She was, you know, probably physically drained mentally after my dad passed away. She still can't speak the language. 
you know, so if she does take me to school and the teacher starts saying, oh, your son wasn't like good today, she ain't gonna have a clue, like what the teacher's even saying. So luckily she met one of our neighbors who was Mauritian actually. And sometimes you think how ironic you've got a neighbor that's Mauritian and they're the ones that would take us to school and bring us back and they would feed back to my mom and so forth, you know. Um, and obviously as time went on, my mum's English did get a little bit better because then me and my sister would start teaching her a bit of English and, you know, you should speak like this and so forth. But yeah, I remember the first day, um, it was hard because it was a neighbour that dropped us off. And then, like I said, we just adapted. We just got on with it, went with the flow. Um, and it was interesting because my primary school was a primary school that only went up to year three. It wasn't a primary school that went up to year six. Mm. Because primary schools is from reception to year six. That's the norm. Um, but my primary school went up to year three. So when we finished um, in year three, like my neighbor had to come and say, look, we need to get your children into middle school now because middle that's school. the next Bro. step. Yeah. Do you know what? People don't know about middle school. Like, nah, when I say middle you know school, what? People don't. Pe- honestly, like, because like, because I, I went to middle school and people are like, what's that? I'm like, you, you never went to middle school? They went, no, we went straight to high school. Like, no, like I literally went from primary to middle to high. To high school, yeah. Yeah. That's it. And when I tell people that, they say the same thing. They ain't got a clue what I'm saying. They got a clue. So obviously it's year four to year seven, middle school. Then you start secondary school in year eight. But now Mm. that education system is different. You know, it's year one to year, or reception to year six, year seven Mm. to year 11. That's it. I don't even think middle school exists anymore. No, it doesn't exist, bro. Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. So is. I mean, wow. So I mean, again, you, you, you like spoke very openly about uh, the the relationship with your older sister. You, but you also felt at the age of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, that you was the man of the house, and you had, and like you also had to take responsibility of everyone as well. Yeah. I'm sure that there was kind of a conversation between you and your sister about responsibilities roles chores making sure mum's okay i mean how did like all of that conversation go do you know what if i'm honest there was no conversation and it kind of goes back to going with the flow so my mum would she didn't have a way of bringing us up and i think that's and that's one thing i've learned over the last few years like when i've you know spoken to like my missus or other families and stuff is Everyone has a way of being brought up. So, for example, when I've spoken to my missus, for example, she would say to me, you know, like when we would come back from school, we would always would all sit at the dinner table and eat at six. Like that's just a set rule that they'd have. They mean brought up that way. And then it would be homework time. And then it would be probably bedtime. But with us, there was no rules. It was you come home and then my mum would be like, okay, let me cook now. And then whenever it's done, we'll eat. And then, you know, whenever it's time, we'll sleep. But that wouldn't happen every day, you know, because on certain days, it's like, okay, so now we need to go shopping because things have run out. So we've got to go shopping today. And we've just come back from school, you know, so it's like, okay, cool. So we've got to go shopping. Um, So I think me and my sister just kind of learned to go, with. like I said, we've just gone with the flow and, and had to just, learn that was literally learning rather than being brought up away was learn away you know um and then as we got older yeah me and my sister would split duties you know so as we got older like when it comes to like letters 
um, council tax, certain things, you know, we'd be like, oh, mum, you know, you've got to pay your council tax, so you've got to pay your gas and electrics. And then my sister would be like, all right, yeah, well, I'll do the call and, you know, so forth. So, yeah, as we got older, I think we definitely split duties and roles, but leading up to the time when we were capable to do that, it was just go with the flow. Um, like I can't emphasise enough how much we literally, every day was just, yeah, let's just get through today, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. And then moving on from, of course, starting to play football and um, and whatnot. And then I want to, this is um this is something that really stuck out to me because again, a lot of people will not know of the shop phones for you. People do not know that shop phone you know phones for you. And I remember anyone that works with phones for you has you know they 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 had to be really good at sales because it was kind yeah. of commission based. So getting getting into that role and getting into that environment, what did that teach you? Do you know what? I was having this conversation with someone the other day, actually, someone I hired, funny enough. Um, Phones for you, I would say, has a big part to play in terms of who I am today. Because that was my first ever job, first of all. So, you know, obviously interview, dressing up in a suit, so forth. <laughs> yeah, first, bro. First time, first time for all of that. <laughs> hey, you know what I mean? For you, and bro. I'm 16. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I've had my interview. And if I'm honest, I, 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 I did what I thought I had to do. Like, in terms of I prepared, you know, as much as I could and tried to answer the questions. And after the interview, I just thought, you know, I don't think I did well and I'm probably not going to get the job. Um, but then I got the call a few days later and they said, you got a job. And I was buzzing, you know, over the moon because as much as obviously I had to work part time, for me is I want to start earning to make money to be able to provide for my family, like I said, about the car and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but phones for you, I would say, and I would say it sells. Um, it taught me so much in life. Um, you know, when you're trying to sell a phone to a, a customer, you obviously have to speak to them face to face. You have to try and convince them. Um, it's almost like you need to try and control them because someone might come in and then they might not be intending to buy. They might just be coming to browse. But as a salesman, your job is to convince them to buy. So I'm going to be there trying to sell them a phone. They might not be interested. Cool. When the next customer comes in, do they want to buy? Nope. They want to go to that person. So they don't want to be served by me. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Next yeah. person comes in, they just want to buy credit. They don't even want to buy a phone. Mm, wow. But yeah. doing that repetitively oh, every day, mm. it taught me so much like communication, you know, common courtesy, um, presentation, you know, where, you know, wearing a shirt and tie and presenting yourself in the right way. Um, it taught me so much. And I think that job boosted my confidence so much that I was ready then to you know, go for another interview or I was ready to take on any other job because I learned so much in that period um, as a 16-year-old. Um, I was there for like two, three years, so a good amount of time um, and taught, you know, so much that, yeah, I'll, it, it does help you because sales is is something that people say you've got the gift of the gab when it comes to talking, you know, but you're not born with that. You know, you're not born with the gift of the gap. You obviously have to experience things in life to be able to be more confident to have the gift of the gap. 
And that experience taught me that in life, if you can talk and, and, and you can talk, whether it's rubbish or the truth or good, you know, you can convince anything to anyone. Mm. And you know? also as well, it, it's the fear of rejection as well. That, that's why a lot of people don't succeed because, you know, just hearing a no, it, you know, it can be soul crushing. But for you, it's like, okay, you know what? I'll f- thank you very much. I'll actually move on. And actually not a lot of people grasp that if you can handle someone saying no, then you know what? You are going to win in life. Yeah, spot on, man. Because everyone takes losses. You know, no one just wins, wins, wins. You're always going to hear a yes or a no at some point in your life. And, you know, whether it's a win or a loss. And I think when you do take so many L's because a customer doesn't want to buy a phone off you or, you know, they're not interested in you serving them, um, you almost become immune to it. You know, you almost become immune to hearing the word no. And it's like, okay, cool. I'll just move on to the next customer. or I'll just wait for the next customer. Um, and don't get me wrong. There's times when I used to work at Phones for You and I used to see someone new that joins Phones for You. And they would last like two, three weeks just because they just like, nah, sales is not for me. And the reason why sales wasn't for them is because they couldn't sell. Um, but the reason they couldn't sell is because they couldn't accept constantly being told no. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because the more you get told no, um, the more you'll teach you how to start getting yeses. You know, if you ex- if you get no no's and you're just getting yeses, yeses, yes, 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 and then someone turns up and says no, you're gonna be like, oh, hold on, what do I do now? Like someone mm-hmm. said no. But if you keep getting no's or, you know, you're repetitively getting no's, you get a few yeses, it kind of makes you more resilient, you know, and more confident. And you start learning, you know, what you should and shouldn't do. And and like I said, you do become a bit immune to to um, getting no's, man. And you accept it and you think, yeah, I'll move on. It's fine. Which college did you go to? Carshorton. Carshorton College. So, yeah. at, so at Carshorton College... Um, how was your your social circle? I had a good social circle. I would say, like, I, I went to the football trials, I got in, and that kind of raises your rep a bit. Like, everyone, it raises your rep a bit when you get into, like, the college or uni football team. Um, mm. And Carshawn College is not a big college. It's a small it's college. Not. It's one campus, you know. So, eventually, like, you know, going in and out every day, you're kind of going to see and know everyone. Um just because the college is so small. And then I'm playing for the football team. So, you know, I would say I, just that you kind of earn yourself a, a decent rep playing for your college team. Um, and then, yeah, man, I had a good social circle. I knew a lot of people at Carlton College, whether it's because of football, whether it was because I was always in the common room playing table tennis and I'd play against random people, you know. But again, that's a good thing because you're getting to network, you're making new friends. Um, and yeah, I think I think college, and again, just before that, I'd started my new job, so the confidence was kind of there. You know, I was open to speaking and and you know getting to make new friends and, and so forth. So it was it was all right. It, it was good, man. I really really enjoyed college, and college helped me a lot. Again, with the social skills and and so forth. And like I said, some some of those boys that like that were close or my circle, I still speak to. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of yeah. so important to kind of um, form those um, friendships at high school, at college, at university, because those are the people 
that like you're going to spar with in you know later on in life yeah that's it. you know pinto yes i met him at college ah yeah so imagine with him he was doing the same course as me but he was one year above seen okay and that's how i met him because one day uh our year and their year i can't remember went on a trip together and that's how i met him and then like we just stayed connected and i still know him to this day jay's you know, and he's, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah man so that gives you an example of how college you know yeah man there's been some good people that have come out of it and i've been able to like stay connected with them because mm-hmm. you know they, they they've been good people man yeah of course like the college to the kind of university jump doing sports science and it's kind of alluded to it you know was it again just to please your you like mom your sister your kind of inner circle I mean what was that conversation like my mom always would would say you know you should go university you should go university but there was never pressure on what I did or there was never any, oh, you should do this, or you should take this course. Um, even if I'm honest with you, see college, I enrolled in there myself. My mum, I don't even know my mum. I think my mum, actually, weirdly, thought it was school in uni. I think that's like the American way. Yes. Um, yeah, do you know what I mean? I think that's the, the or the Mauritius way as well. I don't think there's college. Like, there's a, they, they don't call it college anyway. So I enrolled into college myself. I got my GCSEs. They were awful. Like my GCSEs were were not great, but I still went into college and then I thought, you know, like, let me go uni. But there was never any pressure on what course, what to study, but it's just something my mum always wanted. And another reason why is because my sister wasn't the brightest at school and she wasn't someone that enjoyed education. She was much more, should I say, she was someone who was just much closer to my mum. I think she would much rather have been next to mum than go anywhere. You know, that she was just attached to her, um, you know, growing up, really. So I think that kind of pushed me even further. Like, you know, I've got to kind of do this for the family rather than do this for myself. Um, because even around that sort of time, well, probably a bit earlier, like 13s, nah, probably a bit younger than that, 11, 10s, my mum started becoming ill. Um, you know, high blood pressure. She had a stroke when I was 11. Um, and then after that, I was told she had diabetes. Um, and then when we, when I turned like 17, 18, she was diagnosed with kidney failure. So her health was deteriorating. My sister wanted to be closer. So again, all of this building up inside me, it was like, nah, you got to go and do what your mum wants to do or what your mum wants you to do. And but there was never pressure on what. And I think that helped me so much because it allowed me to express what I enjoy, which was sport. So I did sports science and, you know, kind of get to me to where I am now. You graduated when in 2000 and... Wait, going back years. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I think it was about 10 10 years ago. So 2012. 2012, 2012. How was you feeling? And, you know, did you have a plan in your head in terms of what you wanted to to do? I think, I think proud was the moment, you know, like when you're going up to to pick up the scroll, you're proud. Um, Because it's interesting that when you're, 
like it was it was a really really nice day like it was what you know one of the best days i could say you know uh, ever because it's a day that you know i've i've definitely made my mom happy i've made my family happy and i've made myself happy as well you know i've graduated amongst all the odds like if you look at me 20 years ago you probably wouldn't think this guy would go uni or 10 years ago because of our upbringing you you wouldn't you wouldn't think that you know it was possible um so it was a very very proud moment for our family and yeah just try to enjoy the most of the day i wouldn't say there was any plan it was just yeah let's just enjoy the day get our photos um and yeah it was just it, my mum was really really happy so was my sister of course as well mm. um yeah so i would say I, probably going back to the way we were growing up we just went with the flow and it, but it was such a good day do you know what i mean so we just went with the flow and yeah it, it was a beautiful day man it was a, it was a beautiful day how was your football journey from 2010 until when saha was conceived so i was playing university football i was playing sunday league football as well for cosmos united okay yes so and they're a Mauritian um, based yeah. team or, you know, like the manager or the roots of the football team is, is a Mauritian based team. And um, yeah, me and some of my close boys at the time, we all played for Cosmos and we were flying, man. We, we were playing great football. We won the league back to back. We won the cup um, and it was good. That was our weekend social football and it, it was good at that time. And even after I left junior, I was still there. I was there for a few years to be fair. Um, so that was, that was one team that we played for. And then one of my friends at university, um, had started up his Sunday team and he was just like, locks, man, I want you and Daz to come and play for us. And I was like, oh, I can't really leave Cosmos, man. I've been here for a while. I think I was just too in my comfort zone with Cosmos yeah. as well. And then it, I was, I didn't end up going. Then the year after that, he was like, Locks, please, man, you and Daz, come over like, this year. Just give us one year. And I was like, all right, cool. So we left Cosmos and, you know, we, we come out of our comfort zone and join them. Um, what league were they in? They were in the Southern, Southern Sunday? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Southern Sunday. Okay. Whereas Cosmos were in the, I think at the time, Morden District. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if that league still exists. M Modern District doesn't exist. I think modern and district at the time was probably one of the biggest leagues. And I think the Southern Sunday was just starting. Um, I'm not too sure if the Metropolitan, I think the Metropolitan League was, was around, but modern and district was the strongest league at that time. Okay. Yeah. That, that's the league we were in. And then when we went to join um, my, my friend's team, I can't even remember the name. Oh, Invictus. Invictus was the name of the team. Invictus. Okay. Yeah. So, so Southern Sunday, we did well. We won the league. We went to a cup final and then we lost uh, the year after we won the league. Um, and then what happened with Invictus? I made some really good friends there as well, actually. Um, then at Invictus, I went back to Cosmos. Um, I can't remember why. I think, yeah, we just said, you know what, let's go back to Cosmos. Like the manager at Cosmos, he's been unbelievable to us. Um, and, you know, he's always been uh, a bit of a father figure, to be fair, to me and Daz, because we kind of followed each other everywhere from 18 all the way forward. We always played together. Um, went back to Cosmos. Um, but the team weren't the same then. Like, it wasn't as, you know, we weren't flying as we was before. We still played good football and win most of our games, but it just wasn't the same. And at that time is when Saha 
kind of started, you know, um, as in Sport and Health Academy, the sports coaching company. Um, and whilst that was happening, um, it was funny, actually, I, one of the schools I was in, um, the, the, the PE teacher there was a good friend of mine, and he was at Invictus as well. And he was like, oh, man, have you ever thought about starting your own Sunday team? I was like, not really, but, you know, I've got a good network of friends. I've been blessed that I've been around good footballers growing up because I could definitely put something together. And he was like, yeah, like, I'll manage it. You know, you can kind of um, fund it, call it Saha, so brand it as the company. I was like, yeah, it's a good idea. And I thought about it, thought about it. I'm an honouring. And I thought, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's get the boys together um, and it will be a good social on a Sunday. And uh, he was like, let's, let's go in the Croydon League. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. I mean, I didn't really know about what leagues were, what existed mm. at that time. So we went into the Croydon League and then I think pre-season you have grading games. Um, we played Croydon. I think we drew 3-3. We played another team. We won. And they thought, yeah, let's put you lot in Div 1 as opposed to the Prem. So we were like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And we were smashing teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like it was double figures every game. Um and it got so bad that the the league had a meeting and we're like, you can't be in Division 1. And we're like, well, but you put us in Division 1, you know, after the grading games. And halfway through the season, we got moved to the Prem. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, so- but that, that's kind of how Saha started. It was, it was literally a conversation with a friend of mine who's a PE teacher at a school who I played with at Invictus and said, let's set up a team. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then that's literally how Saha formed and then just spread the word with all my friends. Everyone wanted to join and it just kick-started that way. So were you playing for Saha as well as doing the admin stuff? Like, What was your role? So to be fair, my friend was doing a, a chunk of admin, manager, and I was playing. I was just playing. Okay. Um, he was doing, I would say, like 89% of the administration, managing, kit, balls everything i kind of just invested into it if i'm honest i used you know the company and for me it's funny actually because for me at the time as well i thought you know what this would be a great marketing strategy because obviously nobody would have known about sport and health academy at that time but there is a football team and we play against other teams players who could potentially be sports coaches might wonder, oh, what's Sport and Health Academy? Google it and realise it's a sports coaching company and might want to come and work for Sport and Health Academy. So for me, it was more brand awareness um, in the back of my head. It was brand awareness, get the brand out there, the name out there, and hopefully it manages to bring in um, potentially coaches or, you know, future employees, colleagues. Um, yeah, and, and that was literally another main reason why I wanted to do it was the marketing aspect. But my friends was very very like optimistic about where we could take it and winning the league and the cups and so forth um so yeah both our ideas together we just missed it we can probably safely say that you know you was thinking ahead regarding how sunday league teams promote themselves and market themselves you was kind of looking at the back end and thinking hey like you know um this is this is like something that could be again opened up to to potential coaches and you know they're going to help Saha the football club but also Saha the business yeah I mean literally that was my thinking Liz 
if it can help the business, because if I can get coaches or I might play against teams and they might be PE teachers and they work in schools and they might say, oh, do you want to come and work in our school? Um, so it was literally a marketing plot to just get mm. the brand out there and potentially either get into schools or, um, you know, be able to hire more coaches. Um, and, and yeah, that was that was kind of the, the thinking behind it at the start. What's been the the most challenging thing at Sahara? Like, what's kind of been your most happiest moment? Probably our first season when we won the cup final. Um, it was our first se- season in existence. Um, it was the same season we got moved from Div to the Prem, and we knew we couldn't win the league. It was it was too much. Um, we'd done our homework when we joined the league, so we knew all the good teams and not so good teams. So we kind of prepared, but then halfway through the season, when we got moved to the Prem, it was like, whoa, we're starting from scratch. And these teams have already climbed however many uh, places or, and achieved as many points. And we knew like Boss Jam were the, were the top team. Um, and, you know, we didn't feel it was the right time to be in the Prem, but it is what it is. I know it might sound like that doesn't make sense, but when you prepare for a season, you prepare for the teams you're going to play against, mm-hmm. you know, and then you kind of will try and look at your opposition's results, et cetera. But then to get to then get moved to the Prem halfway through, yeah, it was like that work hadn't been done on the Prem. So uh, where did we finish in the league? I, th- I didn't think we had a bad finish. I think we finished fourth or, fourth or third. And the team that won it that year went undefeated, Bostrom. Mm. Um, and they were a very, very good team that year. Very, very good team. And we played them in the semifinals and we beat them 1-0. Um, and then we had a cup final against Croydon and, and that final was unreal. Like, yeah, we ended up winning three, one. Um, but it was just, it was just an unbelievable experience. Uh, and, and like I said, today, I think, yeah, that was the best experience, um, mm-hmm. so far I've had with Saha on the field anyway, off the field, I've had so many good experiences. You know, I've made so many friends that people are called family now. Um, and yeah, but I'd say that's the best moment for me. Okay. And the most yeah. challenging? <laughs> there's a lot. There's, 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 do you know what? The two things that come to my head, I think the two biggest challenges and, it, and it's, I don't know if you'd call it cliche, but one of them is players arriving on time. <laughs> like, it, I've learned it's something you just can't teach. It's something <laughs> you just can't teach. Yeah. Like, you can put in anything, fines and what have you, don't work. And the next one is collecting subs. Yeah. Like, those two things are challenging on, on, on different accounts. And me being who I am, I thought, all right, in this day and age, cashless society, you know, um, people have cards. No one really has money with them. Cool. So I thought, right, let me get a card machine. And now there's no excuses. Now you wouldn't, you're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Bro, I know. Listen, I, I know. I know. Well, I know. so we got a card machine and we would go to players, say, right, five pound, five pound, five pound. Now, I'm not going to say who this player is, but there's one player in our club what he does is he'll get on his phone and he'll log into his online banking. He'll transfer all of his money out. Oh, Jesus and put it to Christ. No. And then when it's time to tap, oh, oh wow. it's, it's declined. 
And then what can, what can you do when that happens? Like, what can you actually do? You just got to be like, right, cool, like, it's declined next week. But this is something which I witness, and I'm just like, I can't challenge this. Like, there's, I, I'm not going to tell you what you're doing, but if that's what you do, cool. You know, like, there's nothing we can do. Um, and sometimes those challenges, like I said, that and people being late, like, you can't teach these things in Sunday League. Like, if you tell someone to be there at 9.30, but they're always there at 10, and you're putting in fines and you're doing, and they still come, what can you do? You know, if people aren't willing to change, you can't change them. You can offer them as much support, advice, guidance. And I think that's one thing that's taught me about Sunday League um, and some other life skills is that you can always be there to help people and, you know, support them and guide them um, in any way, shape or form. But if they're not willing to change, there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And especially now listening to your journey, and and you said it a few times, trust. Like, you, you like, trusted your, like, neighbours. You, like, trusted the people around you. And then when you're giving that trust to, to like, players who, who literally play for your club, and literally, and literally they are not giving you that trust back it must be so soul destroying it must be 100 percent. i mean i don't even manage the teams do you know what i mean we've got like yusuf roger rocky so forth and, and they obviously do that and obviously i i just go and support where i can whether it's with our first our x1s i just if i can play i'll play um and i feel it for them sometimes i do because they put in so much and you gotta remember with like sunday league it's, it's voluntary you know people are taking times out their lives commitments families to do this for others and then when they're not getting it back you know like coming on time or being able to pay a fiver or you know like giving their rule on the pitch it's like really like you know you really like is that what you give to us because as managers or chairmen or secretaries this isn't just we turn up and then we walk away. You know, we've got to prepare your fixture. We've got to sort out your kit. We've got to make sure the opposition's ready, the refs and, and so forth. Mm. You know, but I think that's one thing is, and that's one of the challenges is, is sometimes you don't get the same in, in, in return from players. Um, and it's frustrating to see. Like I said, it is frustrating because I see how much work managers put in. And, you know, you, you see it. Like, even when I play against teams um, and I see how players react to their managers or how they might speak to their managers. And it's like, like, do you actually know how much your manager puts in for you to make sure this game goes on? Um, and, and and I think that's always going to be a challenge. I think it's always a challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, some teams, you know, are not like that. They all pay their subs and they all arrive on time and so forth. So they probably have different challenges. But for me, that's definitely the biggest challenge I've seen at Saha. Mm. When's the last time... You cried. Cried. It's an interesting one. Um, cried, you know. Probably when Tottenham beat Arsenal. Yeah. When you so, say cry, like I mean, I mean, like you mean emotionally uh, or tears it, of joy. Listen, or... I mean, you, you know what I mean. It could be tears of joy. It could be tears, um, tears of despair. Um, because you know, of course, you you know, you've kind of again spoken openly about your your like childhood and and you know it must have been hard and literally where you are now, it's absolutely amazing. 
and then yeah. but again you know they're like must have been well i'm you know i'm just assuming that you know there like, must have been some really dark moments as well where you you could have felt um under pressure and and uh sad there is man uh especially when you run your own business there's pressure every day there is tough times behind ahead present um and and now with how busy work is like every day is is serious serious like challenge and stress but i think like i said with growing up the obstacles we faced phones for you um finding a way through education it's taught me that there's always light under the tunnel um and if you remain positive there's always um a solution and i think that is one of the reasons i've probably become so resilient i mean i've had arguments with my missus and then she's like raw like you don't even like feel certain things emotionally and i'm like do you know what i probably don't because i think my experience growing up i went through far too much to worry about that or be emotional over that you know because like i said i've been through life growing up where it looked like there was no way out or it looked like survival was looking slim but there was a way out so now uh, yeah man like the crying question is is you throw me off because if i'm honest with you crying like you know my mum sadly passed away a couple of years ago and again with that yeah you know i did the funeral and i had to lead the funeral and stuff and do a speech but everyone would tell you there was no tears for me it was like you know my mum done so much for us i'm i'm going to be happy and embrace what she's done for us um you know it is emotional because obviously i'm going to miss my mum for the rest of my life and you know she's she's made me who i am today but um yeah i think like the crying thing it's just it's weird because it's made me become so resilient and immune to so many situations that many would find emotional you know and i've seen it you know there's certain things when i would be in situations or i'd be with people and they would break down or they'd be really upset and i'd think you know surely you're not upset over that or you know that's not something that's knocking you down um and i'm i'm no right or no wrong to think that you know because what they go through is what they go through the emotions they go through is what they go through but again because of my experience and 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 growing up like yeah the uh, and my friends will tell you and, and you know my network will tell you that they 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 see very little emotion from me very very little because for me it's all about positivity and just moving on literally you know um turn a bad day into a good day don't just keep thinking about a bad day you know and do things that make you happy and and so forth you know because that's you know kind of the way i had to grow up thinking i mean if i was always you know fuming because my dad wasn't here and you know we didn't know if we were going to be able to pay the bills or go shopping as a family bro like i said we god knows where we could have ended up being but positivity got us through mm-hmm. yeah. and um actually that's uh and that's a nice little segue in terms of moving on you've moved on from uh the Orbiton and Bromley League to the uh Sunday super football yeah super <laughs> we don't want to call it super league because you know <laughs> nah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you know it's it's you know it's a Sunday football league I mean uh how is how is that going for Saha 
Um, it's good. It's a good experience, man. We're, we're, we're enjoying it. I think it's obviously a bit of a shock to the system because, so, I mean, we've only had one game technically, but that's because last week it was London Cup. Um, our first game it was a tough game against Hatcham. Um, I wasn't there, so I didn't really actually get to see it. And I understand we weren't able to film, so the highlight, the highlights or YouTube won't come out for it. Um, I heard we went at the races, if I'm honest, and Hatcham were just a better team. On the day, they looked fitter, sharper, stronger on the day. Fair enough, we lost to maybe the better team on the day. Um, after that, we played Spartans in the London Cup. Um, we've seen I've the seen Rabbins, the highlights, Spartans. Yeah. yeah. I've seen the highlights. I wasn't at the game yeah. either, but that one there, I think that really knocked the players for six because, you know, it's a game they were really up for and for whatever reason, to put it in a nutshell, it just sounded like Spartans had our number and, and they had nine men and they beat us 3-0. You know, and they beat us 3-0 last or two seasons ago when they had 11 men. And it's just, I don't know, we've just got to find a solution, not Spartans, but generally to, to overcome certain games. You know, Spartans come with a physicality, the aggression, um, the fear factor. And it's like, we've got to find a way to um, overcome that. And don't get me wrong, we play against physical and aggressive teams and we can do it. But I think... When you play teams like Spartans who've played us a few times, you know, they know how we play and, you know, they know how to get under our skin and we've got to have a plan B or C, you know, against that. And I think, um, yeah, so that, that knocked us quite a bit. And we were meant to play UTR, but then they were in the Kent Cup, so we didn't get to play UTR. Fair enough. Um, we were meant to play Don's first game of the season, but then the Queen died. So, you know, um, obviously the weekend football was... Um, postponed so we didn't get to play them so yeah I, I would say it's been good so far we haven't had the best of starts um, but we're, we're, we're looking forward to it man we're looking forward to every game win or lose it's going to be a good challenge um, I hope we do well and I'm sure we will do well but at the same time um, we've yeah we've got to turn up to games better if I'm honest with you um, there's a lot we can improve on as a club and you know we're working behind the scenes but like I said, we can put everything in place, but if the players aren't willing to do it, then yeah, man, you ain't gonna be seeing the best of results from Saha. Hmm. And uh, where, like, do you see your like business going in the next three to five years? I've got something in the pipeline at the moment, um, and it's it's which one of the two paths to go down, and I think that will be the next step for sport and health because. You know, we work in quite a few schools. We offer our, our sports services to a lot of the schools we work in and we're extremely busy, so we're always recruiting. Um, but for us is now, how do you then take it to the next step? And the only next two steps are um, franchising or if you open up operationally in different cities um, in the UK. So I'm exploring either of those options with Sport and Health Academy because I feel like now, you know, we we do well in London, but, you know, the UK is huge. Um, we also have a branch in Manchester as well, mm. um, which is going well. Um, so we work in quite a few schools, colleges and stuff in Manchester. So Manchester and London, but it's like, there's other cities I want to try and target um, where I feel would have a big impact. Birmingham, Leeds, Liverpool, Newcastle, you know, but then it's, is that, viable for us 
um, as a partnership or a franchise. So mm. that's what I'm exploring over the next year or so. So fingers crossed, you know, things put into place, but just got to make sure things are running tight before we do all of that as well. That's amazing. And uh, if like someone wants to kind of get a hold of you, get a hold of Saha, where can they find you? Shout me, man. I mean, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Um, you know, they can drop a message, DM if they want to speak or if they want to ask any questions or anything. I'm more than happy to ask any questions um, or give any advice, support for, for anyone, man. That's that's always what I've been about, you know, because like I said, going back to our growing up, we needed the support, we needed the help, we needed the advice. And that's one thing that's taught me in life is, you know, always try and offer your help, support and guidance to people um because you don't know when on the flip side you know it's required and on the flip side for us it was needed with us growing up so now like i'm always open to helping people you know to reach like yeah. if anyone needs anything i'm there man so yeah yeah just just shout us man on social media and i'll be more than happy to chat to, to whoever man or answer any questions or whatever yeah thank you and uh i just want to say that um well when when we first met you and the team was so warm and friendly and accommodating because okay you know you like see me for the first time with a camera and like again you yeah. kind of welcome me in and and like that was actually when you did your acl oh was it yeah your... yeah yeah i, I okay. just done it yeah so i did it literally like three weeks before i first met you mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 man. i still that, remember that, that. journey and half. Yeah, yeah 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 so um so again like you know you were just so warm and so welcoming so uh you know, again i just want to you know i want to I want to kind of go on video and like say and say thank you for that. As a club, that's what we're about. We're about we're open. You know, we're always welcoming to new players and and people that want to join the management. Um, it doesn't matter on age or, or or what have you. You know, so yeah, man. You know, I, I invite or I would tell anyone to come and watch and and be part of the team because that that's what we're about, man. That is what we're about. Yeah, love that. Thank you, Locks, so much for kind of coming on to like the show. Again, to um, anyone out there, please like, subscribe to um, to the Saha YouTube channel, Instagram, and please, please share exactly what this club is all about. Absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. And again, guys, please like and share the amateur football uh, platform as well. We're one of the official media um, partners in the Sunday Football League. And we'll see you next week, Friday.